Hello, and welcome to the stories around us. Today's episode is part two of our conversation with Enoch Chteka from Malawi. In case you missed part one, Enoch is a follower of Jesus living in Gilbert, Arizona and attending Grand Canyon University. His father is a pastor in Malawi, and his mother is this very godly woman who learned how to read after she was married by studying the Bible. In this episode, Enoch tells us the story of how his mother, father, and sister nearly died in 2020. And he also tells us the miraculous ways that God provided to save their lives. There's something unique about this episode. Our cameras kept rolling to capture Enoch's powerful testimony after our conversation was over. Every day we pass by people who have stories that need to be heard because we need to be shaped by them. This is one of those stories. You know, Enoch, so much of what you're talking about when you're talking about the individualistic nature versus a collective nature mm. of, of faith and how we interact with people, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think a voice like yours is so important to be heard. Now, every culture has its problems mm -hmm. and its challenges. The church yeah. has unique and similar challenges all over the world, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But for you to lend your voice in shaping us is, is very important as mm -hmm. God shapes you and you shape those around mm -hmm. us. I heard recently that um, your RC or Redemption Community, your small group, um, was providing some resources for you as you traveled? What, where were you going and, and why were you getting some resources? So um, in January, I can't remember the date specifically, I got a phone call from my sister. My dad had been coughing a storm for a while, but we just thought, you know, it's, it's a cough. And then toward the end of January, that's when they started suspecting that he had COVID. So I was talking with everyone, and at that time, there was no provision for test kits. Mm -hmm. So they were really waiting until you're worse. That's the style that the government was doing. Only when you're so critical, we'll even test you if you have COVID. Not isolate you, but actually test you. So he had gone to the hospital for three times, and all those times they told him, you are not sick enough for us to use our test kits on you. We would rather prioritize people we really know that they might have COVID. So by the time they were finding out that he had COVID, it was like they literally had to take him to the hospital. The other reason why they were dreading taking him to the hospital was because the isolation system was like way worse than you can ever imagine, like traumatizing and scary. As soon as... My mother-in-law heard that my father is in the hospital. At that time, my sister was telling me that the hospital doesn't have ventilation machines. Mm -hmm. My dad was in need of one. But the hospital was like, unless you buy your own, we can't help you. It's just going to be a matter of waiting. Immediately, my mother-in-law was like, I'm putting you on your flight. I'm going to help you with some money for you to send towards your family. So she bought my flight going. And 
and gave me some money to buy ventilation machines. So we needed two at the time. So it was a blessing that was beyond. I'm talking about thousands of dollars that she was helping me with. And it was just, yeah. As I was doing that, I was informing my RC, this is what's happening, I need your help in prayer. And they were like, what do we do? And I was like, my mother-in-law has provided for everything right now. So I will let you know if I need anything. But um, I'm sending the money ahead. Then my sister calls me as we are booking a flight that your, my mother has also been found to be positive with COVID. And now they both need ventilation machines. But the distance to go and refill them with oxygen is so long that if, if, it, if it turns out that they, they are, their gas is empty, it's going to be bad. So the hospital is advising us to have four machines so they can be rotating. As this one is finishing, someone should go on a car, drive all the way like 10 kilometers, 10 miles away and buy gas and bring it back and then take the other one and do rotations. And where we were getting the ventilation machines was like 300 miles away. So someone had to go and buy it and make sure it's the right one and even the parts. So it was an expensive endeavor. So when I shared with my RC, they were like, what do you need? And I'm like, we have enough right now. And my RC is like, no, tell us exactly what you need. And I was like, we need ABCD. Within a day, they raised enough funds, not only for the machines that we needed, the extra two machines we needed, but for every part that we needed and for the transportation. That was the first time that I felt how community is not a cultural thing. Community is a God thing. Mm. And there just happens to be cultures that really have taken that as their culture, but primarily because these guys acted like the way someone would act in Malawi. And that was the first time I felt like, wow, this is not just a saying. This is not just a conversation. These guys are going, I, I would hear stories of people just crying when they would hear the stories. And the amazing part was I didn't ask anyone. They were the ones mm. pushing me and pursuing me and saying, how can we be a part of this story? How can we help you? How can we be there for you? We can't fly to Malawi, obviously, but we want to be there for you. And I'm saying, pray. Mm. We can have all the money. But if God doesn't come through, it's not going to be anything. Yeah. These guys are saying, trust me, we are praying. But we don't believe praying is, not, is enough. James says you have to go an extra mile. You can't just say, God bless you, brother. But he's going naked. And that for me was like, wow. So I had my family, like my my, my wife's family rallying around me in a communal way, in a collectivistic way, in a culture that is founded on individualism. And I had my church, my community church, coming like a Malawian culture. Yeah, that was amazing. So I flew to Malawi and my by the time I was landing, my mom and my dad were both 
in isolation and I went directly to the hospital. I have some videos with me. It, I think I've never, since the hunger I was talking about in 2001, this is the second time that I, I was traumatized by just going into a place. You, I would be walking and talking to my dad. They were allowing us to see him. And I would say hi to the neighbors, the, the beds that are next to him. Right. And two hours later, as I'm coming back, the both neighbors are dead. And because of the situation, they would literally take the bodies and put them in the next room. So as I'm walking to see my, pa my, my parents, I'm literally seeing bodies wrapped in cloth, clothing machine, cloth, clothes and just laying there. It was... Now, they are, they are all sick from the same disease. So as you are seeing dead bodies, you're like, it could be my parents. But they have provision that is better than anyone in the hospital because there's a family that has come together and provided for everything. They have like ventilation machines that are like taller and gigantic. One of my friends from here, Eric, bought me diabetes, some, some diabetic tools to measure his diabetes. And the hospital is like, we've never used some expensive and amazing equipment like this. How do you use it? And I'm teaching them how to do this stuff. It was so surreal. One day later, they were out of the hospital. Amen. So, Amen. And on that same trip, or, or right around that time, wasn't there a situation with your sister? Yes. So as my parents are getting out of the hospital, I found out my... So we were in the process here in the States of changing my visa from a student visa to a K-1 visa, a uh, green card, rather. So... When I flew there, our lawyer told me that you were not supposed to fly outside. You are supposed to be here until we finish everything or at least wait for documentation from the government. Oops. So I have my visa with me, my valid visa, but it's not relevant because I'm no longer a student. So as soon as my parents came out of the hospital, I started processing that. Right. And so we are trying to figure out how, what am I going to do then my sister was due that month. She was pregnant and she was due that month. They had checked everything that the hospital was like, it's fine, it's gonna be fine. On the day that she went into labor, the baby and the mother were fine for like 15 minutes. They came out, they noticed that she was bleeding beyond that. She had, she, she had given birth through cesarean section. Took her back, they were like, your blood levels are so low but we don't have blood at this hospital. We have to transport you 40 miles away from here. Now we're talking about Malawian roads. Mm -hmm. They started off without the baby. And my sister is calling the hospital. What? My other sister is calling the hospital. What do I do with the baby? You just left. And they're like, oh, we didn't even know. We didn't even think about that. You can just wait there. My sister calls me go to the other hospital. So this hospital is 40 miles away and I happened to be near the, that hospital that they were taking my sisters to, my sister to. I rushed to the hospital and my other sister is driving with a baby and I'm there waiting. As soon as I arrived, I see my sister laying on a stretcher. She's completely naked and she's unconscious. 
And they didn't know that I was a relative. And I see the doctors are like whispering, talking. As I'm coming in there, one of my friends, one of our friends, minister partners, he, she's a nurse. She works at that hospital. She came in and she was dressed in a uniform. They didn't know that she knows the patient. So they were telling her as a nurse, they're like, it's 50-50. The doctors are saying they're just going to do the procedural stuff, but she will be dead because her oxygen levels are like on, in the 30s. My dad's oxygen levels were 70, was 70. That's why we had to buy the ventilation machines. My sister's was 30. And she had some blood clotting and she was bleeding internally. And the, the ambulance had made a mistake. They thought they had given her oxygen only to find out that the tank, the machine they used had no oxygen in it. But they only found out that at the hospital. So they're telling our friend, like a nurse, and they don't know that she knows the patient. She just came, grabbed my hand, put me on the corner and like, let's start praying right now. Mm. And I'm like, why? She's like, they're saying they're just doing procedure stuff because they have to pretend like they've done something. But the hospital is afraid that if they try to do something and she dies, it's going to be their fault, but yet it's the fault of the ambulance. Mm -hmm. So it's those politics that they might not be giving their 100%. So let's pray. And she's crying. She's weeping as she's telling me. Eric just started praying. And I texted my friend Eric. I'm like, hey, tell the guys you need to start praying. I'm telling everyone. I'm like... And Eric is back in the United States. Eric is back in the United States. And Eric is telling everyone in my RC... And I remember Eric telling me that my mother, my grandmother is praying for you. My mother is praying for you. My, um, one of our friends from RC, Audra, she's just crying. And it was at that point when I was like, Lord, I really need your help. Mm. I came for my parents. Now my sister's in the hospital. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to go back to my wife. And my wife is not even here. We are just married three months at that point. So, but long story short, God came through in an amazing way. She came out of surgery. She had to go back to surgery for four times in, in the space of three days. Oh, goodness. But she's fine. The baby's fine. Well, that's the story that I had heard and that God had you there for the right time and you were faithful to present a need and there were people around the world who were faithful to respond to that need. And I was able to read this letter. And what I would like for you to do is read this letter. And it is from your family, specifically your father, to the church, uh, a word of appreciation. Could you read that for us? And before I read a bit of context, so at this time, I have depleted my funds that I had come with. I'm staying longer than I'm staying longer than I was supposed to because of the visa stuff. Mm -hmm. So my pocket is empty. My parents have been sick for four months. My sister is in the hospital. We are having to do everything, and that's when the church just kept pouring. Like whatever you need, we are going to do. Whatever you need, don't even worry about anything. That, yeah, that. 
That's the context of this letter. That's the context of this letter. So, and I think it was addressed to one of our elders. Yes. So it's to take a family and then to Reverend, he called him Reverend, Reverend Bruce Barkley at Redemption Church, Arizona, USA. Uh, word of appreciation. I am Reverend Bosman Suzumile Chiteka, a father to Enoch Bosman Chiteka in Malawi. I and my whole family would like to express our deep appreciation for the gesture that you and your church under your management have done this family. We were baffled when Enoch, our son, reported that you had blessed us with some cash to support us as we were nursing our first daughter, the elder sister to Enoch. We are failing to fully express our gratitude for this because God inspired you at the time my family was undergoing the situation like that of Job. You may be interested to note that early January, the grandmother of Enoch miraculously went missing for two days in one of the Malawi forests. The whole village entered into the forest for a full day searching for her, but could not find her. She appeared the following day, late afternoon. We had to pick her from the village till now we are keeping her. She is now back to senses, but she does not remember what happened to her. The same month, I and Enoch's mother were diagnosed with COVID-19. We were on the point of losing our lives due to the scarcity of oxygen equipment. But the coming of my son, who upon his arrival on top of the medication he brought, he quickly acquired some two cylinders for oxygen. This rescued us. Mid-February, while Enoch was still waiting for our complete recovery here at home, his sister delivered a baby boy but she was ble bleeding so much that she had to undergo operation four times within four days. We were losing her as she was in a coma. Eleven people had to give in blood for her. Surely we were completely out of cash to nurture her. Your support was a miracle. Please, Reverend, extend our thanks to the whole management and church for such a timely support. May God continue blessing you, your ministry, and the entire Redemption Church. We are also very happy when Enoch reported to us that he is now a full member of your church. This was what we had been praying for, that God should expose him to a church where he could be provided spiritually. Your acceptance to have Enoch and Brittany be officiated under your church was God's answer to our prayer again. Only God has a lot in his hands to reward you, my pastor. Yours in Christ Jesus, Reverend Bosman Chiteka and family. My brother, I want you to know that the blessing has been ours and will continue to be ours. And you are a great representative of your family, of your father, of your nation and of Jesus. Thank you. And it is, um, it's important that we continue to have stories like yours shared. And thank you for your patience in persevering in a Western culture. Thank you for your willingness to be transparent. Thank you for not giving up 
Thank you for stepping out on faith to do things. And thank you for having a heart that beats after Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have enjoyed this ministry that God has just blessed us with through you guys. And it's amazing. I told you when you texted me that I come from an oral culture. We talk a lot. <laughs> because we don't write. We Right now it's recent that writing is common, but we used to hear stories from our grandparents. So that's how we, we, we live. So to have such a platform, it's a blessing. And I was sharing with you just one more thing, how the support went above and beyond. Now there's a whole ministry that is blossoming. My father, after I left all the funds with him, he said, I'm going to invest whatever is left into building a ministry center where when I retire from pastoral ministry, I want to be helping leaders, serving communities, and have other ministries utilize this place uh, for the glory of God. Right now, that's our goal, and we continue uh, building that place. Some of my friends are like literally coming on board, and it's gone beyond a time and season. This blessing is becoming a timeless blessing. Mm. So... As he said, only God knows how to say, well done, my children. And may he do that to Redemption Church, to every family member I have here, and my wife. She's amazing. She's the one who makes me go above and beyond. And I'll never say thank you enough to her and my family. Amen. Amen. Brother. I wanted to hear you read the letter. I wanted to hear you read the letter from your father. Was that oh. difficult? Was that difficult to do? It's the first time I'm reading this letter. Really? I thought you had already read it. That's the first time. When he was emailing Bruce, he, he said he had emailed me, but it never came true. So I heard from Bruce, I heard from Brian, I heard from Eric, I heard from everyone. But I had, I had not let, read it, so this is the first time I'm reading it. I have this letter hanging in my office wow. because I often say that we live in Disneyland. And there's people on the other side of the world, sometimes down the road even that have very difficult, challenging situations. And your father's <sighs> spiritual response, your spiritual response, your RC's spiritual response, your mother-in-law's spiritual response is beautiful. Well, one of these days, I want to meet your father in Malawi. I would like to do that. That's going to be on my prayer list. <laughs> And I'm going to remind you I'm in Malawi, like Sean, remember. <laughs> Enoch, I love you, brother. I love you too, Sean. Thanks for being part of our church. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's beyond words, honestly. It's, it's one of those things that it's such a privilege to be a part of because 
my greatest fear was that when I was coming, like, how, how am I going to connect? Am I going to find a family, a church, a, mm -hmm. uh, and for God to do exceedingly abundantly above what I was asking or imagining, that's a miracle to me. That's a literal miracle. On my wedding, none of my family was there because they couldn't travel because of COVID. It was Bruce who officiated my RCs, gave me video cameras to record my, 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 our wedding. The people who represented my side of family was from RC. They came there like, we're going to support you. And that's, that's what I grew up with in the church. That's what I hmm. saw my father build. That's what I saw. That's what made me fall in love with Christ. That is my salvation story. I grew up realizing that there's something bigger than the church. Because again, as a pastor's kid, your dad's job is, your, is a job. Like you, uh, your friend's dad is like a teacher and your dad is a pastor. So, but I remember realizing that, no, this is not a job. Why? Because of what I would see, like I said, what I would see at home, the way he loves us, the way this guy will always go above and beyond. And I always pursued that. I was like, what do you have that you don't tell us? Because I hear you preach Jesus, but I know there's something that you have. And I kept pursuing it. As I said, at first it led me to a place of condemnation where it was like, mm. I can't measure up. I can't measure up to this until one day the Lord challenged me and say, yeah, you can't measure up, but I can because you can never measure up. So instead of pulling you up to heaven, I reduced the distance by coming. And I can be born in your heart so you don't even have to worry to measure up. You have to just be grateful that I have not only paid your debt, but you never have to play games. You never have to try and impress me. And that was, that was my changing point. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, that's what my father does. He doesn't do this to impress God. He does this because God has done so much for him. So he's always desperate. Like, how, how much more people can I serve? How many more people? Right now he's going to a village minister. He was teaching at the university of our church where they build pastors and send them. And he's like, my, my final days of ministry in the church are going to be in the deep forests of Malawi, there's no plumbing system. And he's diabetic and he's like, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I know God is calling, calling me there. Now that I know where that comes from, where it's like always feeling like God has done so much for me. How can I ever pay back? I can never pay him back, but I can just be obedient. And that's that's community that's 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 what i grew up seeing like a people who are desperate for christ and christ is telling them the only way you can show me you love me is by loving your neighbor and i'm coming to a culture where the whole nation is built on an idea of an individual you can be successful if you can just work hard and yet i'm surrounded by people who are saying success is only when we are all succeeding mm. that that for me is a miracle that for me is like the kingdom of God can come on earth. God is doing his thing and it doesn't matter what culture, <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's in the States or the deep villages of Malawi. God doesn't have to have a visa or a passport. 
he just shows up and brings his kingdom and people's lives are changing. And it's it's just one of those things you pray, God, thank you. Thank you for making me part of, in my lifetime, of this group of people. I mean, I see you, your passion right now, and I can show you a person in Malawi who is like you. Mm. How is that even possible? Where you're seeing someone's love for Christ in the U.S., and you're like, I've seen you before. I've seen this before. I've seen this joy. I've seen this pursuit of Christ. And you're like, yeah, in the family of God, you saw it in someone who doesn't even speak English. But the passion they have to make sure that their village's story is heard. They will go and listen to grand grandmoms and granddads who just want to share the story of how they got saved. And this guy walks around in villages and just talks with them. And through that, they're experiencing the love of God. And you are telling me there's a Sean. Mm. You're making me cry, brother. To <laughs> you. It, it's, the only thing I do right now is just pray like, God, you're doing a thing and you've been doing a thing. And long after we're gone, <laughs> you're going to continue to do a thing. But thank you that you have privileged us to be a part of that story. So me and my wife, our vision, you asked me a question is to continue partnering with our brothers and sisters in Malawi mm -hmm. here. And whatever God lead, whatever direction God leads us, we'll go. If you asked last if you asked me last year, I would have choked a little bit because I knew what God has given me in my heart. But the struggle I had was how is this gonna translate mm. into the flesh? Mm -hmm. This year, specifically this month, it's when God has now started just doing a thing that I thought he's going to do five years from now. In my, th in my thought pattern, it was like, I'm going to be established. I'm going to have my family established, finish school. And then that's when God is going to show up and start doing. God is like, I don't wait for you. <laughs> so all that stuff I gave you, I knew that I would not have a chance. Mm. But I'm like, I got to share this. I, 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 every time I meet someone who loves Christ the way you do, I'm like, if you find time, just put your hand on those papers and say, Lord, please show these brothers that they're not alone, mm. that they're not alone, that they're partnering with God. And God can show up in Malawi, can show up here, can show up in Chandra. That, that's, that was my dream, and God has blessed me with an RC that lives like that. My, my RC asked me when I first came, tell us what your ministry vision is. We want to partner with you. And as I was about to speak, I felt on my heart the Lord saying, partner with a person, don't partner with a pocket. Mm. Do here what you want God to do in the villages. You know that Malawi thrives on community. Therefore, pursue these guys. Now, I remember thinking, but these guys want to start doing something. They want to start sending money to Malawi. But the Lord is like, no. The, Jesus had to wait until he could call disciples, friends, before he sent them. Mm. That's the thing he did. He met them friends first. And in John, the, at the end of the ministry, that's when he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because everything 
my father's taught me, I've shared with you. On that foundation of friendship, they studied a partnership of, I'm going to be in heaven, but you can go do, I'm going to be with you. Why? Because the foundation was not ministry, the foundation was friendship with Christ. And I remember that time, the Lord just challenging me. Yeah. If you want to create friends of Christ in Malawi, then don't do anything different here. Mm. And I remember when Eric and Brad was like, okay, we're going to do that. Now it makes sense when God is just doing things that I'm, I was dreaming it's going to happen in five years and seeing lives change. I mean, this ministry site, it's something that I'm like, what is happening? And God gave us a vision of the Gideonites. One day I'm praying and it was Brian. I was talking to Brian and he, he was telling me about Gideonites and he had the teaching he was hearing somewhere. And my friend from Malawi, who we have been in ministry together since 2007, his name is Levi calls me and says, I was praying and the Lord is giving me a word on my heart called Gideonites. I can minister a strategy called Gideonites. And I'm like, what? And he explains to me how we are going to move forward. I'm crying. Like I'm crying and I'm filled with shivers because it's, it's just mind blowing what God wants to do. And God wants just to go in villages, pick one person, a Gideonite, and tell them you're a mighty man of our here in your own village, when you have been hiding, God wants you to know there's a plan. And that's the strategy God was giving us. So I'm meeting Brian and Brian is telling, I'm telling Brian this. I'm like, I'm just so excited. God is doing this. Brian is like, wait, when was this? I'm like, on Tuesday. He goes, that's the same day that someone was teaching on Gideon. He goes home, he's watching something. And now... There's a group of young people in Malawi who are literally going in villages and just pulling one or two people, not the whole village, and deciding, I'm going to love you. I'm going to share Christ with you personally until you realize that in the eyes of God, you are a mighty man of our. Mm. And God wants to use you to change this community. And that person is going and taking one more person, two more people, and say, hey, have you heard what has happened? Apparently, even though I don't know a word of English, I didn't go to school, but in the eyes of God, he can do a pit on me. And now it's something that is happening and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm sorry for thinking I was supposed to have these superpowers and strengths and abilities and finish school when God is like, yeah, I'll use all that. You're going to school because of ministry and everything, but... I enjoy doing it on my own because when I do it on my own, it brings glory to me. You don't have to struggle to say, glorify God. God is like, yeah, they all know that it's God. So <laughs> anyway. There's no question. That's beautiful, brother. Thank you for this platform. But God's the one who gives it. Oh, that's good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what are you saying oh my gosh about? I think this should be the longest session you guys have ever had. <laughs> <laughs>